KHP 002 Stairs I purchased the house in June of 1981. It's an older style home that was built in the 1930s, located in West Decatur, Pennsylvania, a small, spread out town in the middle of absolutely nowhere, about 45 minutes drive from Penn State University. The house I purchased is isolated from others around it, with the closest neighbor being almost half a mile away. I bought the house because I thought it would be the perfect space for my German Shepherd Silas to run around without the worry of traffic or encountering other people. The house was sold to me as is. The realtor told me up front that there was some sort of water leak that caused damage throughout the house. I knew going in that it would require a lot of work. A new roof, kitchen renovation, porch, and new flooring in most of the house was just the start. I was certain that it was going to need more as time went on. The occurrences began with puddles of water. I had been living in the house for a few weeks before they began appearing. Every couple of days when I would wake up or came home from work, I would find small puddles of water around the house. Initially, I blamed them on Silas. A new house, new yard, new smells. I figured he needed some time to get used to the changes happening around him, and he was just showing his displeasure with the new area. Silas was left off the hook for the puddles when he was in the bedroom with me the entire night, and they appeared outside of the bedroom. When I woke up, a puddle was sitting at the end of the hallway at the top of the stairs. Silas never left my bedroom, and there was no puddle when we went to bed. I began watching more closely when they appeared, and made 100% sure it wasn't Silas. It wasn't. After a few weeks of the puddles appearing, I noticed water fixtures, the sinks, tub, and toilet, all dripped or had a stream of water coming out just a bit bigger than the lead inside of a pencil. It seemed like every faucet would be fine when I went to bed, and trickling when I woke up. I double-checked to make sure that the faucets were tight, just in case the outside well pump was pushing the faucets open over time with its excess pressure. The running water became bad enough that the well actually ran dry a few times that summer. I eventually remedied this by replacing all of the fixtures in the house with newer models, and the running water stopped. Soon after replacing the faucets, the puddles of water that would appear around the house stopped too. I don't know where they came from, as where they had appeared had no correlation with where the water lines in the house were. I had begun replacing the kitchen. I moved the fridge and stove into the living room temporarily while I pulled up the old floor, put up new drywall, and placed a newer laminate floor down. I had just finished putting in the new flooring when Silas began acting strange. During the kitchen renovations, I noticed that Silas never walked into the kitchen alone. He only ate his food if I was with him, and any chance he got, he would sit in the living room floor and just stare into the kitchen doorway. Every half hour or so, he would growl and then woof just a single time. I'd ask him what was wrong and he would look at me with eyes that said he was unsure of something, and then he would look back to the kitchen, and I would wait for the cycle to begin again. Once the kitchen renovation was complete, Silas refused to cross the kitchen threshold at all. I tried to coax him out with treats, but he just stood about five feet from the doorway and wouldn't move. At one point, I tried to pull him across the floor by his collar, and he began yelping and whimpering like I had hurt him. I didn't press the issue and let him eat in the living room instead. If I had to guess, I'd say it was about a month after the kitchen was completed that Silas started waking me up at night. Summer was just starting to turn into autumn. I don't know how long he was sitting there, but I woke up to him sitting straight up on the bed, looking at the door. After a few seconds, he stood up, and the hair on his back shot up, and he barked once at the door. A snarl stayed on his face, but he didn't growl. He stared at the door for another five minutes before laying down again, like nothing had happened. The next night, I woke up to him standing next to the door, hair on end, growling at the door like his most hated enemy was on the other side. I got out of bed quickly, quietly grabbing the baseball bat that I kept in the corner of the room. I crept up to the door and got down on my hands and knees to look through the crack at the bottom of the door, out into the hallway beyond. I saw nothing, 
No person, no shadow, just darkness. I opened the door quickly, prepared in case someone was hiding. Silas shot out of the room, tearing down the hallway and bounded down the stairs before I could say anything. He ran to the living room and stood at the edge of the kitchen, barking and growling as much as he could into the empty room. I searched the whole house, never found a sign that would tell me that another person was in or near the house. I had begun work on the living room, changing the paint on the walls, sanding and varnishing the hardwood floor. I had also replaced the water-damaged flooring in the upstairs hallway and sanded and varnished the steps. Silas didn't mind this new change like he did with the kitchen. He still wouldn't go into the kitchen, though. It was mid-September now and the house was finally beginning to feel like a home to me. I woke up around 3 in the morning to the sound of dripping water somewhere in the house. It wasn't a metallic tink, like water dripping onto porcelain, but more of a muffled thud, like it was dripping onto wood or dirt. I began to get out of my bed and grab my bat when I froze. From somewhere inside the house, I heard a creak echo, a very familiar creak from the bottom stair being stepped on. Silas was sitting, staring at the door until he heard the step's first creak, then his hair stood up and he began growling softly. I began hearing footsteps slowly pad up the stairs, the light thud of the dripping water almost like a heartbeat, as the steps made their own different rhythm. I heard the footsteps reach the top of the stairs, then heard a very faint sound of fabric rubbing together, mixed with the beat of the dripping. The sound was getting louder as it came down the hallway towards the bedroom door. Silas stopped growling, going silent and backing into the corner, looking at me with terror in his eyes. The dripping sound continued on the other side of the door. I reached out slowly, grasping the door handle, trying not to jiggle it as my shaking hand touched it. In one swift motion I yanked the door open towards me and swung the bat as hard as I could. The bat connected with nothing but air as I completed the swing. I took a step forward, flipping the hallway light switch on, and almost fell as I slipped on a small puddle of water that was lying on the floor. Standing up, I saw wet footprints, with small drops of water around them that led down the hallway to the top of the stairs, then down the stairs into the living room where they originated. I stayed awake the next night, waiting for something to happen. I left the hallway light on so I could see when, whatever it was, stood on the other side of the door. I was beginning to doze off around two when I heard a creak from somewhere inside the house. I snapped out of my near slumber and pressed myself against the door, listening for anything that would give me more information as to what was going on in the house. The muffled dripping sound seemed to be coming from the first floor, moving towards the stairs. I heard the creak of the bottom of the steps, and then the soft padding of the steps coming up. Silas was backed into the corner again, staying quiet, remembering the outcome from last time. I heard the steps reach the top of the stairs and I heard the same fabric rustle getting louder until the person was almost at the door. I saw a shadow appear this time, blocking the light shining in from the hallway, confirming that someone solid was on the other side. I sat motionless. The dripping, sounding less like thuds and more like high-pitched pangs, as I saw a pool began to form from under the door and slowly flow towards me. I threw open the door and attempted to push whoever was in the house over the railing and onto the first floor below. I almost threw myself over the railing as I ran into nothing on my way out of the room. I grabbed a hold of the edge of the wall, stopping my fall. I saw a line of wet spots leading from my bedroom, through the hallway, and down the stairs. I followed the footprints down the stairs into the living room, through the kitchen, and into the cellar door. I cracked the door open, pulling the string to turn the light on in the stairwell. The darkness of the basement almost seemed to be pushing against the light I had sent streaming down into it. I stepped down the stairs slowly, seeing the footprints and water drops continue at the bottom. They turned on the cement floor to the left, and went further into the room under the stairs leading into a small area that was once used as a makeshift root cellar. Old jars and boxes from the previous owners that had sat unused for years resided here. The steps led to a wall and then seemed to vanish. A cement wall. I ran my hand over the wall, trying to go over the layout of the house, and figured out that it would be blocking a portion that would run under the kitchen. 
I went upstairs to the living room and grabbed a large hammer, chisel, and flashlight and went back to the basement. After about an hour, I had a hole in the cinder blocks large enough to slide through. Though tight, I slipped through the wall and turned on the flashlight. The room wasn't very large, maybe 7 by 7 The walls were made of old stone foundation held together by an ancient mortar. All three of its walls were this way except the one I had just broken through. There are a few jars and bits of metal that were scattered about on the floor. There, sitting predominantly in the center of the room, was a large 3 foot by 3 foot steel plate. It was about an inch thick and placed on something made of stone. I could just barely see it under the plate. I pushed the plate off of the stone, revealing a pool of water. An old well sat before me, filled with water that was standing motionless. I shined my flashlight down in the well, seeing the walls lined with stone the whole way down, about 12 feet below me before the earthen bottom was visible. That's when I saw something glistening off my light at the bottom of the well. I went upstairs and pulled a magnet off the fridge and tied a string around it. Entering the room again, I slid the magnet down into the water slowly until I felt it hit the bottom. I shined the light down into the water, trying to see through the small ripples I was causing, to try and get the glistening object out. I saw it move slightly when my magnet came close. The magnet attached the object to it, and I began slowly pulling it back up. Upon surfacing, I held a small, silver, oval locket in my hand. Opening the locket, there was a small piece of paper stuck to the inside that was very badly damaged. It looked like a black-and-white picture of someone, a young man standing with trees behind him, I found myself in the local town hall in Clearfield, looking up records of the house the next day. I found the property records indicating the people that built the house had lived in it until three years before I had moved in. They had a daughter that went missing in the early 40s. Many suspected she had gotten pregnant and run off with a man. No one had ever seen or heard from her again. It wasn't until 1963, while on a walk through the woods between their homes, that a neighbor spotted the parents of the girl going to a secluded spot in the woods. When the neighbor investigated... They found a small wooden cross and a cleared patch of dirt of what looked like a grave. Police were called, and the parents were questioned regarding the disappearance of their daughter. The parents easily admitted that their daughter had fallen into the well and drowned. They found a note written by her that described her boyfriend and her father not getting along, and that she would never be able to live up to the standards they had set forth, so she had decided to end her life. The parents found her in the well the next morning and buried her a few hundred feet into the woods behind the house. The death was ruled a suicide, and her body was never recorded as exhumed or moved to a cemetery for proper burial, so I assumed it was still in the woods somewhere. Now, I was floored after reading this. I'm not sure how long the previous owners had been dealing with the things I had been dealing with, long enough that it caused some major water damage, apparently. The footsteps, pools of water, everything telling them that their daughter was not at rest, but they ignored it. They sealed the well room and attempted to ignore her. The letter she had written must have had some credence to it if they responded to the situation like that. I purchased a cheap metal detector from a hobby store that day, in town, and went out into the woods for a small walk. I ran the metal detector over anything that seemed to be a small clearing or a trail. After about an hour and a half of searching, I finally got a hit near some old bushes a few hundred feet into the woods. I ran my shovel sideways over the ground where I had gotten my hit and found a few old iron nails, probably from the makeshift cross that had rotted away long ago. I took the shovel and dug a small hole in that spot, dropping the locket in and covering it back up. I had one incident after that night with the locket. A few weeks later, I was sitting in bed reading, Silas beside me, when we heard the creak of the first stair. It made me jump, startling Silas. I sat, quiet, listening to the sound of the footsteps coming up the stairs, shuffling slowly down the hallway, and then a moment of silence as they reached the door. Water pulled slightly under the door before I heard the footsteps leave, and head back down the hallway, down the stairs, until the first step creaked, and then, silence. I opened the bedroom door and flicked on the hallway light. I saw a pool of water, 
with footprints in each direction. I turned to look at Silas and saw that there was a wet handprint on the door, clear as day, with a single drop of water sliding down the door from it. The house has been quiet since that day, and Silas happily goes into the kitchen for his food now. Support the show and get stories and content only available for patrons at patreon.com khp. The Keystone Horror Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license.